Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 hey guys it's morgan welcome back to the show if you haven't yet hit subscribe today is part two of a fun topic basically educational topics that i think american students should be taught that i will definitely be instilling in my children and that i would use say if i was starting a homeschool pod or whatever anything having to do with bolstering the young minds of our future leading generations. I'll get a little bit more into like why I care about this topic and a little refresher on why we did the topic in the first place in a second. But at the end of the day, what we're trying to do is instill a a reasoning process into the minds of young people so that when they're adults and when they are presented with challenges, they're going to be able to have their reasoning process, have their critical thought, have their questioning skills intact so that they aren't played. They aren't turned into sheeple. They're able to stand up for themselves and and not just absorb information without even questioning the reliability of the source. So that being said, let's get into it because I'm pretty excited. But of course, just when you thought it couldn't get any better, Mike Lindell with MyPillow is launching the MyPillow 2.0. When Mike invented MyPillow, it had everything you could want in a pillow. Now, nearly 20 years later, he discovered a new technology that makes it even better. The MyPillow 2.0 has the patented adjustable fill of the original MyPillow and now has brand new fabric that's made with temperature regulating thread. The MyPillow 2.0 is the softest, smoothest, coolest pillow you'll ever own. For my exclusive listeners, the MyPillow 2.0 is buy one, get one free with promo code MORGAN. MyPillow 2.0 temperature regulating technology is 100% made in the USA and comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Just go to MyPillow.com, use promo code MORGAN. That's MyPillow.com, promo code MORGAN. Thank you. Okay, so just a reminder to everybody that maybe hasn't listened to the last episode in a while or maybe you didn't even listen to the last episode. First of all, I'd encourage you to go listen to the last episode before you listen to this one. But a little refresher, I'll just tell that story of Andy Frisella, how Bryant listens to Andy Frisella. So that means I now listen to Andy Frisella because it's either playing in the background or I'm just in the room or something. And hey, it's pretty good. And he made a really good point of... It's kind of shocking the fact that American citizens in modern America, we have a great school system in, you know, the sense of, wow, everybody has access to an education. A ton of people have access to higher education. There's a ton of people with a good somewhat education in this country. They should have some capabilities of critical thought and stuff like that. But you still have situations where, hey, there's now physical proof emails, information on a laptop, communications now proven to be true, verified information showing that the president of the United States got payments that were a percentage of payments sent to his son from foreign countries that are technically our enemies, like communist China. What does that mean, that Joe Biden is in the presidency? Well, it means that our president is influenced by foreign entities because when you can put two and two together as a normal functioning adult should be able to do hey when someone's getting secret payments and it's funneled in a sketchy way especially from our enemies and now they have political power in our country we probably shouldn't trust them their ability to be trusted is now at stake do you see how that's a really basic concept 
So when he was talking about how he's frustrated with this, I was thinking in my head of like, well, how can we get young people in America before they go off and become adult voters, before they become members of society in that contributing way? How can we help avoid this problem where they become mindless, they become sheeple that don't even have the ability to question when something very dramatic and verifiable is right there in front of their eyes? And so I was walking you guys through in the last episode different things that I would definitely want to include when educating my children or children around me in my community if I'm doing a homeschool pod and that I would suggest you make sure your children understand as they're growing up. Again, let me preface this with this is not a complete list. This was just stuff that came to the top of my head when I was planning this episode, stuff that definitely you should include. It is not the ultimate list. So if anything's left out, please don't get mad. Uh, Send a message if you have stuff that you definitely think I should be including. I'm happy to add uh, additions, but please don't think that I'm like ignoring big parts of history. It's just, hey, slipped my mind and I was coming up with a list of things that came right right to the top of my head. So before we get into the next topic, I'll just remind you of the first three that I mentioned in terms of what I definitely would want kids to understand. I would want my young students to have a full understanding of the beginning of humans, our beginning really as a world and the start of it all, where we started, how we used to get by, how things used to be basically just about surviving, protection, taking care of your immediate family, and how far we have come as humans in general. And by that, I mean like what it actually looks like to see true progress and see improvements in society and where they all came from. In that, my mind immediately also goes to like the things that we take for granted today, the things that we just assume are part of everyday life. When did those things become available? Why did we start doing certain things, certain traditions, certain practices, um, certain techniques for, for carrying out things that need to be done? These really basic things that we take for granted, we don't ask, wow, who invented these things? Who started this? Where did this come from? And I think if we all understood our roots a little bit more from a younger age, we'd have greater appreciation for how wonderful we have it today. The second one was about faith and how it is such a complicated topic. Now, I'm a Christian, and so my teaching of of topic number one would have that biblical worldview. And then for topic number two, I think it's really important to discuss the differences and the importance of having a faith and a relationship with God. On top of that, though, the context for understanding religion versus faith is a really important thing for me that I would want young minds to understand. Because when you look at really high up religious leaders or politicians that claim they're religious and all of this stuff, and you see the terrible stories of history where, you know, as a Christian, the history of what some Christians have done is disturbing. And so how can you look at that and say, wait, so those people read the Bible and then behaved in such a way? How could this have been? Well, it's important to teach the basics of human nature. And this doesn't only play into talking about the history of religion, but it also plays into talking about the history of the creation of countries like America, because our founders understood that all men, because of human nature, 
are naturally going to be a little more self-interested, a little sinful, right? We're going to be fallible and we need to have our power checked. That's the whole concept of America's founding, right? Is that you cannot have absolute centralized power because men are going to naturally be corrupted when they get power. And so you have to check that. You have to have balance of power, checks of power, separation of power. There's all these different things that you can do to make sure that one person doesn't get too much power or a few people don't get too much power because bad things happen. And so that, that, that understanding of human nature is really important both for religion and faith and then also understanding structure of government. But kind of going back to number two, I think the really important things to touch on here and considering that this is more of a encouraging and developing the ability to have a, an intelligent and compassionate conversation about these topics. This isn't like, I want my child to be able to memorize what happened in this, the 30 years war during the medieval times. No, no, no. We're not trying to have some big, massive flashcard memorizing of these really serious and complicated times. Instead, we want them to understand more so the human nature and what played into that, what led to those things and what was the general outcome. Now, Part of that is, of course, the the context of religious arguments and, of course, the addition of political and financial actors in this, people that try to take advantage of religious situations for their own personal benefit or who knows what. But then also understanding the differences between certain faiths, the differences and similarities between the monotheistic religions, Judaism, Christianity, and the Muslim faith and how, hey, here is why they are so similar. Here's why it's important for us to understand what they are saying and what they believe because it's literally the same characters. And these the differences of our beliefs have led to so much difficulty and so much suffering. So this is why. Understanding why is very important. The next step is I would want my young students to understand the history of Christian infighting because, wow, that led to quite a lot of things over many, many centuries. And then adding into the faith thing, because we have, okay, we have external people using faith for their advantage. We have internally different members of the same faith or different members of the same faith, but in different subject groups, they were fighting. But then we also have a situation of anti faith people altogether, anti-religion people altogether. And who are they? The communists. Why have communists throughout history wanted to remove faith, religion, or cultural practices like religion from a society? It's because when you believe in something higher than yourself, higher than any leader in government, it's very threatening to the power of a communist dictator. Because listen, if you Fear God more than you fear the communist dictator that is in charge of your nation, you will do quite a lot, right? If you believe in God and you love your family and you love your children and you believe in what you're standing for and that there is a higher power out there and there is a greater purpose and not only that, but that this worldly life is just a little blip in terms of our internal life, then wow, you are probably going to stand up stand your ground, fight back against some communist dictator. And that really challenges the authority because they want sheeple that can be controlled. If you are a person of faith, it is a lot harder to control you politically. So that would be an important addition into the faith section uh, when educating a young mind. And then the third thing that I talked about in the last episode was um, America's founding, the Enlightenment, and the beginning of the political concept of individual freedom and rights. Okay. That is a huge thing because, like I said last episode, 
It's a very new concept. For a long time, that was not the case. And America was that first really strong example that we saw in a long time. Of course, our founders looked to the previous attempts and and evaluated why did they fail. They looked to ancient Greece and ancient Rome. They looked to the other attempts and they wanted to avoid those mistakes. So that's why we have their evaluations in things like the Federalist Essays. But what I would also include in this to provide context, because this is another thing that American students just don't understand these days, is I would include the other countries out there that also were attempting to embrace the ideas of the Enlightenment, embrace the idea of God-given inalienable rights that are not given to you by government, but can be protected by government because we all deserve human dignity, right? And that is a place like Russia, where you had Catherine the Great. She tried to end serfdom, which was basically slavery in her country, where she was queen. And what do you know? It didn't really work out that way. So the success of America turning from one of those olden ways in a nation into uh, ways of the Enlightenment, ways rooted in individual liberty, that was fantastic. That was setting the bar. And it was truly something unique and different and very difficult to do. So when we aren't appreciative of how rare of an achievement that was, It's really unfortunate because it should be something that we all look to, our founding and the years after the founding, even though it was certainly a rocky road and it took us a while to get fully to a place where everybody had freedom in this country, we achieved a really wonderful feat and our lack of appreciation for it is really a shame. And that being said, I want to talk about the next thing that I would discuss, which also has to do with America and it also has to do with the lack of education that we experience today in the American public school system and, of course, the absolute hatred towards America that we see on social media. The fourth general topic that I would definitely want to include when educating a young mind in America would be, and this is a tough one, would be how America slowly but surely, and you know what, it actually wasn't quite slow because it was pretty quick, okay? We lasted less than 300 years before becoming an absolute mess. Basically, though, how America slowly but surely abandoned what our founders intended. And with that lesson, the many lessons that would be included in this subject, with it would be the big lesson that even in special America, the United States of America, the land of the free, home of the brave, you know what I'm saying? Even here, you cannot trust the government or people in authority. Now, here are just some of the things that I could think off the top of my head that I would definitely include in this lesson. Of course, playing into the third section that had to do with America's founding and what our founders wrote in the Federalist Papers, what they evaluated throughout the human history that came before us, these concepts are so important and the structure of the government that was created is so important. I'm an originalist. I believe in what our founders originally wrote in the Constitution. We are so far away from that at this point that it makes me want to cry a little, not just a little. But when we look at all of American history after the signing and after the ratification of the U.S. Constitution, where the states voted in favor of making it our new government, we can see slowly but surely, like I said, that year after year, decade after decade, and then it became centuries, we slowly did thing after thing that took us further away from what our founders intended for this country. And what they intended for us was very, very articulately put together, okay? It was all placed together very purposefully. 
you know? So one of those first things that I would talk about, and guys, I could do a whole podcast episode on this, would be the Civil War and the issues after Reconstruction. That on its own is like a fascinating discussion of what policies took place, the fractures that were not properly fixed, the death of Abraham Lincoln, and how we really failed in many ways to move positively forward in that and, and the implications of that. The next thing, because I love history of the West, would be the treatment of the Native Americans. Because yes, we, we technically won, right? We conquered their lands. We won. I get it. I get it. But when you look at, you know, from my point of view, I don't trust government. I don't trust these people with authority. I think people are easily corrupted. I think our government is great because it limits as much as we possibly can the power of government actors. And of course, it was much more limited back then. But nowadays, it's just disturbing how there is unchecked power in our government. But the treatment of the Native Americans specifically with things like killing off the buffalo to starve the Native populations. I think it's important for my children and the young minds of America to understand what happens when anybody gets a little too much power because it's just another lesson and reminder of why it's important to have decentralized, checked political power. I don't trust anybody, right? And so when you look into the history of stuff like this, it's disturbing. Man is sinful and their power must always be limited. Another thing I would definitely want to talk about with them is the Homestead Act, for example. Now, this came to mind because I love reading about it. And right now we talk about, oh, I'm a homesteader and stuff like that. That's more so like you love living off the land. You love being independent, self-sufficient. You love focusing on building a self-sufficient property. Like that's really what modern homesteading is. But back then with the Homestead Act in the 1800s, the government had a bunch of land and they wanted people to move west. So to encourage the growth of the nation and to get them to be willing to move to this unknown land that they'd never been to. Like imagine just randomly moving from Tennessee to Montana. That'd be crazy. Totally unknown climates, totally unknown terrain. Like what would you grow out there? All of these questions are unanswered for them. So how do you get them to do it? You promise them that if they move out there and prove up the land was the term to improve the land after about five years, if you could prove that you proved up the land after living on it for five years, then you got, I think it was 160 acres for free. You got that land for free. Can you imagine getting 160 acres for free if you just lived on it and improved it and like built a fence around it, built a little home? That's all you really had to do. So that's really fascinating. But when you look at what the people in Washington, D.C. were saying about why they actually also wanted to send out the homesteaders, it wasn't just to, oh, let's expand America far west because we love this country and we're going to grow it. It it wasn't all that positive. In reality, yeah, they wanted to extend the country, but they also didn't want to send out soldiers to go fight the Native Americans who were being quite violent with anybody they interacted with out west. And so they thought the easier thing to do would be to send American citizens out there, tell them, hey, we're going to go encourage you to homestead with the Homestead Act. And they basically knew that these homesteaders were going to face some really violent conditions and they'd rather sacrifice them, their own citizens, and not really tell them that that's exactly what they were doing because it would save a lot of money, it would save a lot of issues, and they wouldn't have to like go to war with the Native Americans. They could just slowly invade with the homesteaders and put the homesteaders' lives at risk and just encourage these these civilians to have these little battles. I think it's kind of disturbing. And again, it's another situation of why we can't trust the government. 
Then we can move on into, you know, early 1900s. We have the Industrial Revolution and the formation of corrupt relationships between big business and big government, the formation of the bureaucracy as well. (laughs) So with this, each decade we see, okay, either advancements in society that lead to the government growing in some way or different needs growing. And no matter what, the bureaucracy of the United States continues to grow. And what's something that our founders really did not see coming? The bureaucracy or the fourth branch of government. (laughs) Speaking of that, the next probably big lesson would be FDR and the establishment of the fourth branch of government. Okay, it's an entity that our founders never intended. And it's basically in existence now because we have the executive branch that creates agencies that are filled with unelected bureaucrats, faceless unelected bureaucrats. The legislature was made by our founders to be the people that were elected by their citizens across districts throughout the United States. And because they were elected, they are most directly linked to the people of the country. And that means it's more righteous for them to be the ones to say, okay, we're going to tax the people that voted us in this much. We're going to spend their money in this way. And we're going to give their money out in this way to these certain groups to spend it properly. This quickly then turned into, okay, so we have these executive branch, so unelected people that serve the president who was technically elected, unelected faceless bureaucrats working in executive branch agencies are now, instead of the legislature doing it, the unelected people are being handed over tons of taxpayer dollars because the legislature, even though it's their job, has instead handed the job over to them by passing huge bills that just literally say, we're going to give this agency this much money and we trust them to handle it correctly because they're the experts that created the fourth branch of government. So we're never really going to solve the problems at our federal level until we absolutely demolish that part of the system. That's another topic for another day. Understanding the growth of the bureaucracy and the danger of having so many unelected people and so much bloat in the size of our federal government is so important for young people to to understand because it helps them understand that, hey, it doesn't have to be like this, and this is so far away from what our founders intended for us. Part of that would also be the next topic, federalized education. It's unconstitutional to have the federal government involved in education. The Tenth Amendment in our Bill of Rights says that anything not listed in the Constitution is automatically given to the states, The states are in charge of anything that is not explicitly stated to be a federal government power in the Constitution. That includes education. But what do you know? (laughs) In the last century or around there, we see the federal government come in, swoop their big boot in, and stomp all over education. And now they basically control it. Very upsetting. Not what our founders intended. Moving forward... The next thing I would discuss would be the age of entitlement and the 60s and 70s, the policies that got implemented in that time and completely changed the country. What Age of Entitlement, the book by Christopher Caldwell says, is that this ultimately created a second constitution. We have the original constitution and then we have the second constitution that's basically rooted in the policies enacted after the Civil Rights Act was created. And then, of course, another topic relating to distrusted government would be a case study on COVID-19. Now, moving away from that fourth topic, let's move into number five. The fifth one would be the 20th and 21st century attempts for communism that were taking place 
across the globe and how over two dozen of them were tried and failed. Okay, so attempts for communism instead of individual freedom, individual rights, and specifically economic freedom, the differences. The same tactics, the same failed results. Every single time these people came to power, the differences, this is important. I would really want to stress to young minds the differences between greedy consumerism and materialism of modern America, because yes, it's annoying, versus economic independence. You know what I mean? So I roll my eyes at this and I get so frustrated because on something like Black Friday after Thanksgiving, listen, yesterday was Thanksgiving. Go be with your family. Go enjoy time at your home. Don't be obsessed with running to the mall in this stampede of humans trying to get a little discount on a television, on material goods. You know what I mean? Like, I get it. Black Friday is so frustrating when you look at it sometimes. The commercialization of Christmas, also frustrating. Same thing with Easter. Honestly, Easter upsets me more because it's a a really serious event. And what do we do around Easter? Most of the people don't even understand the sacrifice that took place on Easter anymore. Instead, it's what? about Easter eggs and Easter bunnies. So it's like, yeah, those things get frustrating. But the the nasty consumerism and materialism that we see these days is not, is not economic independence. The solution to materialism and greedy consumerism is not socialism, you absolute nitwits. And it's so dangerous and disgusting to hear you say that. Yes, we can work on our greedy ways, our demand for worldly items and fun, frilly things that we don't actually need. Okay, yes, we can work on that as humans, but that doesn't mean we give up economic independence, okay? That's completely different. And our ability to have economic independence, financial independence away from the government is so highly crucial for the future of this country and for any human dignity. It's not even funny, okay? Very different to complain about consumerism, do not blame it on capitalism. You know what I'm saying? Okay. That would be a really important lesson for me. And then six and final before I end this episode, the next one I would talk about would be war, politics, and the the military industrial complex. Okay. I would really want my young minds to understand that patriotism and pride for our country is really, really great. And I'm sorry that my throat is kind of like dry on this one, you guys. I don't have a glass of water and I've been talking for so long. I'm struggling. But I would really want them to understand, like I said, patriotism and pride for our country is so great. But submission to elitist war hawks that tell us that nation building in oil rich areas that fulfill their greedy interests, mm -mm, that's not great. And we should never fall for their red, white, and blue BS, okay? Because they do that flag waving and they get us because we love our country. We love America. And they trick us and they think it's the patriotic thing to do to follow them into war constantly. And once you start to see the bigger picture, it's, it's quite disturbing. So I would focus on that. And then I would also make sure that they understand the importance of looking at all of the major events in human history that that lead to war, and they are able to see, wow, every single time there's things that could have been done, things that could have been avoided, and it could have saved millions of lives. 
And we are, I personally believe right now in 2023, we are watching that exact situation take place where in the future, in history books, kids are going to read about this. Hopefully, I mean, I hope they read this in history books. People in the future are going to look back at this time and go, wow, how did they not see it coming? Time after time, a mistake was made, a mistake was made, a mistake was made by political leaders. This happened and this happened and this happened. And this decade of buildup could have been prevented. Well, I think that's what we're going through right now. And I would want my kids to understand that and be able to look at politicians and say, mm, mm, because that's currently how I look at them. All right. Thank you guys for tuning in. I hope that was informative and I will see you next time. Keep in mind, Friday's my last episode. So, um, wee! <laughs>